It's an era of change, of ideals and cultures constantly colliding. We need brave people who will find the way of hope in the chaos, who will elevate truth in their speech and activate reform in their lives. Lee Sloan welcomes you to this Brave Nation. Hello, Brave Nation. I am back. And I apologize for not getting episodes up sooner. I promise I'm not planning on running any more political campaigns in my near future, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> for those of you who might be unaware, I, was, I thought I was back in my regular life. I know you might have heard some updates on our last campaign. And then I got a phone call from Stephanie Taylor, again, the amazing candidate that we had here in Anchorage for Assembly. And after we had just pushed out a furious campaign, we thought we had some respite. I took a little vacation. But in a rare turn of events, Stephanie found herself in a new district. They had redrawn the district lines, and she actually had an opportunity with a special election to run in a brand new race. They were actually adding a seat to our assembly here in Anchorage. And she thought, there's no way that we could pass up this opportunity to try again to get on this assembly. Because we had some really good momentum and name recognition going into our, our or going from our last campaign, even though we were very tired, we felt that we had to try. Now, one thing that I have learned from my friend and coach Drew Neal is that when we have a direction in mind, it requires three things for us believers to start the engine and go. And these three things are not always in the same order. We need all of these three things, though, in order to make a wise decision to start pushing that go button. Well, the, the one thing is we, we want God's yes. I mean, this is kind of obvious. Um, we want to follow the Lord. We want to get a sense from God that this is the course of action that seems to be aligned with His will, His way, His character, and His nature. That's kind of a given. But then we need to have our own yes. And sometimes we kind of forget about this part. We need to have some semblance of a desire to do the thing. Even if we're scared, there has to be something within us that says yes. God isn't a slave master. He actually supplies us with the desire when he wants us to do something. And sometimes that's kind of, that seems to be out of sync. Maybe we feel called upon and we're reluctant. And we have to ask him for that yes in our spirit. But we need it for ourselves. The third thing is that we need others, yes. We actually need other people to say, I agree with that, and I'm going to help you run with it, right? There have to be other people that, that echo the amen of what God's doing in us and are willing to say yes with their time, with their money, with their support, whatever it is. And so all of those things really matter, and sometimes we forget that in order to start something, maybe maybe there's a desire in your heart to do something, but you have you're not really sure if that's what God wants you to do, or or there's other people are telling you this is what you need to do, and we want you to do it, but you know you don't have that yes in your own spirit. There's all of those things need to come into alignment, and that provides the amen that that we need to actually get going, and and to have God's favor follow us, and so. When Stephanie called me that day, I was still on vacation. She had heard a yes from God. 
and yes within herself. What I didn't know was that I was actually that third yes she needed for her to decide to press it go. And I did. It didn't take me long. I said yes. Now, we both knew that this would be a bit of a gamble. In this new district, it was a new area where we were not quite as politically favored. I knew that it mattered who else decided to hop into the race. I mean, it is an advantage when you don't have an incumbent a lot of times, but if members from the other side of you know our, our political opponents hopped in, if multiple members from that side hopped in, great. That would be advantageous to us. If members from our side hopped in, not so great. And so really, we had no idea what we were looking at until that last day to register. And we learned um, as we went into it that it, several of our former supporters were actually not interested in helping with this race this time around. Some were even sort of upset that she decided to run. They felt like it was a waste of time and resources and we could be doing something better. And, you know, when we we decided, okay, now we have some political challengers that maybe were a little bit more on the same side politically, let's see if they're going to bow out of the race. And if any if at any point in time we had felt that another candidate had a better chance of winning this election, I know 100% that Stephanie would have gladly bowed out. I mean, it's a lot of work to do what we were, were looking at doing, but we knew meeting with each person and, and talking with them on the phone, um, by the way, each person decided to stay in and um, didn't bow out. And we knew that in our hearts that she absolutely did have the best chance and that we would, it would almost be an irresponsible thing to not take the chance, even though it was slim. Sometimes leadership requires taking chances that are slim. A wise person once said, the one who has the most hope has the most influence. I really want to be a person of hope not of blind stupidity. Hope doesn't discard facts. Hope assesses facts and acts according to the possible. Hope doesn't rest in the safety of the certain, but leans into the possibility of the uncertain. And that is right where we lived in that tension as Stephanie and our team, one by one, decided to jump in again. We were jumping into the deeper end of hope. And I am so proud of our faithful team who joined with us and agreed with us in hope for our city. It was a much quieter campaign as this was a special election and no one else was running in this race. It was only this one seat. You know, I love, I love my friend Lolly Reed, who's another fellow campaign manager. And she said something like, None of us are running campaigns right now. We need to all jump in all together and help Stephanie win right now. (laughs) And she did with both feet. And many others did, but not all, again, not all that jumped in the first time shared her enthusiasm. It was a beautiful summer in contrast with the treacherously slippery streets that we traversed earlier that winter. I thought, who wouldn't want to go door-to-door in beautiful weather as compared to what we went through before? 
But in Alaska, the beautiful weather is sort of like a siren who lures people to more play than to work. (laughs) Still, our core team pressed on. And when you're flying blind in a race, which is usually the case when you're running a campaign, you have no idea how well or poorly you're doing. You just have to keep going and doing your best without killing yourself or your team members in the process. Everywhere I went, people liked Stephanie. Even in the rougher parts of town, we've got smiles and handshakes and appreciation for the fact that Stephanie was willing to come to their homes and to talk to them directly. I'm sad to report that as of today, the last time I checked, the unofficial count says we lost by 378 votes. 378 votes. When you do these kind of things, you never know who will be there to support you. Supporters in one race doesn't necessarily guarantee supporters in another. Politics, I'm finding, seems to be much less about loyalty than it is about circumstance, and expediency. That's why if you enter into this arena, you really can't take things too personally. You might have to keep reminding me of that later. People who are for you are not always for you just because it's you. And they're, they aren't necessarily against you just because it's you either. It's all of the other little unknown factors that go into the mix making each campaign such a unique experience. So my friend, political radio host, Dan Fagan, called me after some of the earlier accounts seemed to spell our demise. And when when I got on there, I had no idea what he would say. But he said that he felt, at the beginning, he admitted, he felt that we had about a 0% chance of beating our opponent in, in this particular situation and district. And like I said, he was not alone. But when he saw how close the race was running, he was flabbergasted, and he apologized to me for not believing. He said that Stephanie was a great candidate and that he really didn't want her to see her lose hope or heart and just quit. He said that when he heard how close we had come, though, he was really encouraged. It seemed to have given him a shot in the arm of hope. So Dan, if you're listening, I appreciate your open acknowledgement that you were wrong about our chances, that you were wrong not to believe. It takes a lot of humility to come out and say that. But I found the notion interesting that you didn't want a good candidate to be discouraged by a loss. It's, it's kind of, you know, maybe some conventional wisdom, but here's the thing. It's because she was a good candidate that she won't let a loss like that intimidate her. She had already lost one. And it didn't hold her back this time. Why would it hold her back again? Only a candidate with too much vanity or too little sense of responsibility would let it phase him. You know, I found it interesting that that Dan mentioned hope that we brought him just by the fact that we were giving it our all. And to me, I'm thinking, of course, we're going to give it our all. How could we do any less? And every day... I believe we're faced with voices that attempt to dismantle and silence our hope. Sometimes it happens little by little. Sometimes it's something big. But we have an enemy that knows that hope makes us powerful. Remember the Israelite spies who entered the promised land? Ten of them allowed the information they were processing 
to dismantle their hope. Only two of them processed the same information and came back with more hope than ever before. And they looked not to the threats, but to the reward, to the thing that could be gained by the risk. They said, look at how big these grapes are. We can take these guys. Hope says, if there's a chance, we'll take it. Unbelief says, if the chances aren't 100%, why should we even try? I believe that in both Stephanie's races, we inspired our political allies to greater levels of hope than they had before. But I think that enough of those allies said no to hope. You know, remember that third thing, you need other people to join you? Sometimes that other people is a measurable thing. And in a race, it certainly is. Not enough of those allies said yes to hope that we just couldn't push it over the line. Just a little fewer, just about a little over 300 said no. And some said no to hope by not voting. Some said no to hope by not helping, not sharing. Elections are not just about the people who can vote. It's about the people who can influence that vote. And you just don't know how many votes you can influence by a phone call, a knock on a door, or a social media post. Now, if we're going to make any progress in the days ahead, not just in Anchorage, but where you live, we need to live from a place of hope. We need it to be our new normal. And I'm not talking about deaf and blind courage, the kind where everyone's telling you to stop, but you stupidly run ahead. I'm talking about the kind of hope, like the spies had, where they assessed all of the things, and they took notes, and they said yes, even in the face of uncertainty and less than 100% chances. When I considered Stephanie's attitude to risk looking foolish by stepping up, to being willing to give up the race if she thought that she wasn't the best person, and yes, we had that conversation, I saw in her a humility and a servant's attitude that made me want to support her all the more. And I'm confident she'll continue to serve her community as she always has, with her hope fully intact. As usual, I am now up to many different projects, trying to exercise my hope in the culture around me. This next school year, I'm starting a small school for middle school and high schoolers called The Green Room, and I really wanted to offer an affordable four-day-a-week schooling option for families who want an alternative to traditional public school and also an alternative to maybe straight-up homeschooling at home. So I've brought together my team of teachers, not going to do this alone, and I'm looking forward to developing those relationships with the students and the teachers and helping them form a really healthy tribe of learners who will be free to pursue their hopes and dreams together in a group. This fall, I'm also planning another in-person Brave Nation event focused on the government realm this time, and I've got some key state legislators that I have a lot of respect for to share with us their insight into the spiritual realm as it relates to their role in government. 
So I'm looking forward to sharing more with you about that soon. I hope this episode encourages you to maintain and maybe reawaken your hope. If you know Jesus, you have hope literally residing in you. Get out your hope, dust it off, and begin to put it to work. It doesn't take a genius to see problems or to diagnose what someone should or should not have done. If you're a person of hope, you'll, you're going to make mistakes, but, and you know, likely you'll be criticized and you'll be doubted, but be encouraged. All you need is a few other people to give you their yes. Enough people of hope united, and we will prevail. No one pays attention to the winner until they actually win. But if you listen to a winner, you'll inevitably hear stories of the times where they failed forward. I hope you are encouraged today to do something bravely to express your hope. Hope is contagious. Let it spread like wildfire wherever you go. This is Lee Sloan reminding you to seek and find the brave way.